Welcome to ATRA, Voices from the Field. This sustainable agriculture podcast is presented by the National Center for Appropriate Technology with support from USDA Rural Business Cooperative. Hi, this is Rich Myers with the National Center for Appropriate Technology. In this episode, we listened to a conversation I had with Gil Sanger of Candlewick Farms in New York about how his Christmas tree farm led to growing mushrooms. It's a pretty interesting story. Well, today we're talking to Gil Sanger. Sanger, sorry. Anything but late for supper. Yeah, <laughs> um, from the uh, Candlewick from Candlewick Farms in New York. Right. Okay. And um, you're going to tell us something about you're getting into growing mushrooms, and you have sort of an interesting uh, backstory to that. So yes. why don't you go ahead? Yeah, basically, uh, the, the property I'm on, the original 20 acres of Candlewick Farm, I purchased in the early 70s. And my first wife and I dabbled <clears throat> in a partner, yeah, a part-time basis, playing with uh, farming. Uh, you know, uh, we had chickens, we had goats, we were really into dairy goats, which, which are a lot of fun. And uh, we boarded horses for friends and, and we raised some beef cattle, we had hogs, and we did all that. And unfortunately my wife died of breast cancer in, in the late 80s. And somewhere in the 90s, the job I was working on discontinued so I had to relocate so so basically I rented the house and the land became kind of dormant and uh, it got tied up in a situation so it was dormant for seven years when I came back nature had taken over <laughs> pieces of property where I had originally grown corn and hay and so I took a week's vacation. At this time, I, I'm working in Virginia, but my property's in New York. So I took a week's vacation, went back to New York, rented a huge tractor, uh, because when I left the area, I had sold all the equipment I had had. So I had zero equipment. I rented a big tractor, big bush hog, and I spent a week just mowing everything down. Then it became a situation of how do I prevent nature from coming back? while I'm in Virginia and the property's in New York. So in doing research, we decided that let's plant some Christmas trees. All right, so what kind of Christmas trees do we want to plant? What kind of soil do I have? And this investigation led me to two varieties, white pine and canan fir, best suited for the type of gravel on the property. So the first year was uh, 2008, or 2009, spring of 2009, we planted 600 canan fir and 300 white pine in a block, six by six spacing, rows six feet apart, trees six feet apart in a row. The second year we planted 1,200 trees. We put 900 canan and 300 white pine, but the white pine got intermingled in three different areas. It wasn't in one group. By that time, I, I joined the New York State Christmas Tree Farmers Association, and I go to a convention, and at lunch, I'm sitting with some experienced farmers, <laughs> and asked, they asked me what was I growing, and I told them, they said, well, what are you going to do with the white pine? Grow it for timber? <laughs> at that time, I find out white pine's not a very good Christmas tree. 
Although it's pretty good in, in a, an item called a kissing ball, which is kind of a New York item, and uh, uh, wreaths. So the first year I was just selling choose and cut, and I had maybe 25 customers, if, if that was a lot. You know, it's the first year. <clears throat> Second year I'm making wreaths, and I'm selling some wreaths, and I get more customers for the choose and cut. And then uh, I find out that White Pine also makes great garlands. So I went out and bought a garland making machine. So this past season was my third season. I ended up uh, actually grossing about $1,400 between all the sales. But in the interim period, I had learned about forest cultivation of mushrooms. And Cornell's small farms program was, was pushing a lot of different things. And I actually talked to the director of the Christmas Tree Farmers Association because those who are in the Christmas trees are always looking for other products to sell. A lot of people are into pumpkins, other into agritourism. <clears throat> and it seemed like mushrooms was a good sideline for a Christmas tree. So we had Steve come to one of our meetings and he did a presentation at one of our meetings. And I kept reading up on it, reading up on it. And I'm cutting the outside limbs off my white pine for uh, wreaths and garland. And I said, I wonder what happens if I cut into this at five foot heights. So one day I went up with my saber saw and I just started cutting. And when I got in about four or five trees and cleared around me four or five, I was in a natural cave. Yeah. So I called Steve up and he, and he said he was jealous. Really? <laughs> So I've taken some webinar courses with the Cornell Small Farms program. Uh, I took a class on marketing the mushrooms, and I now have sitting in my root cellar uh, 15 pounds of inoculation yeah. spawn. Uh, and actually, the tools to do this project cost me about $140. The spawn I've got sitting there and the wax to seal them cost me $130. So I'm less than $500 invested in this project at this point. <laughs> and uh, this year I will have to buy my logs, and I'll be looking at that when I get home from this conference. Uh, and I hope to inoculate about uh, 100 logs this year, because I, I bought two uh, strains of this shiitake mushroom. I got 11 pounds of what they call wide range, which you're able to force into fruiting. So you can control your harvest. And how do you force them into fruiting? Well, basically, the, the logs I will be inoculating this spring will sit for a year. Next year, that number of logs, which I hope to be 70, will be set into seven sections. All right, so at the beginning of the season, you soak the first pallet, group one, group A in other words, you soak them for 24 hours and set them up as a teepee under this canopy, and they will fruit in a week to 10 days. Okay. So every week, you're taking one of these seven groups, soaking them and fruiting them. When they finish fruiting, you put them on the other side, you let them rest, until the seventh one is done, then you can soak the first one again. 
and based on the season of fruiting, you can get two and a half, possibly three fruitings out of each log for the season. That's the wide range uh, variety of the shiitake. And the logs, which are three to five inches in diameter, 30 to 36 inches in length, uh, they would be fruit, being able to fruit for about three years. Right? So each year you're adding right. to each of the pallets and then rotating them once at the end of three years. The other variety is what they call a cold weather variety and you inoculate logs 8 to 12 inches in diameter. The cold weather, you cannot control their fruiting. They fruit based upon weather conditions. So they naturally will fruit on their own in the spring and fall. So right. you get to get a fruiting of, of mushrooms prior to your forcing. Right, right. right. But you have no control over them. Right. So when they do, they do. Yeah. So they become a, a different section in the yard. Hmm. So, you know, it's basically I made the right decision to plant the tree that's best suited for my property, but not suited for what I intended it to do. So now I've got a bunch of lemons and I'm trying to make lemonade out of it and hopefully it'll be successful. Uh, I've already got, <laughs> I have a neighbor that's six miles north of me that raises uh, Scottish Highlanders, grass-fed, oh. no additives or anything, no hormones. Uh, and that's where we get our beef from, right. his farm. And when I picked up my last order of beef, I was telling them about this project, and they said, let us know when they're ready, because we'll buy them from you. So I've already got one customer <laughs> without difficulty marketing. So uh, hopefully it, it, it will continue to, to grow. So I think you can probably sell all the shiitake mushrooms you can generate. I, I hope so. There is, just south of me, about two miles south, there is a huge farm stand with a strawberry patch and so I'm going to talk to, in fact I'll be there later this month or early next month, they're doing a low tunnel class through Cornell Small Farms at this guy's farm. So I hope to see him when I attend that class and talk to him about the possibility of my supplying mushrooms to his to his farm stand. So oh, excellent. And we'll see how it works. I'm not sure, uh, I guess you're making lemonade out of mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, using mushrooms to make the lemonade. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well that's very interesting. And um, is there anything else you want to add? Well, you know, the other thing that, that uh, I'm certainly an old guy, but eventually those white pine will be lumber. <laughs> but right. up until the point they become lumber, they become a, a natural canopy to right. grow mushrooms under. Uh, I do have someone from the uh, uh, Master Forestry Program in New York State coming out as soon as all the snow gets out of the woods. I have seven and a half acres of woods on the property, so I will be able to, in the future, get my own logs. I will not have to be buying those. Great. So uh, they're going to come out and we'll mark the trees that are best suited to be cold out of the natural forest that would be good for growing mushrooms on. And, and you know, this was, like I said, my best year in Christmas. And every year the, the Christmas tree go, grows bigger and better. Yeah. So it's not anything I hope to, uh, you know, I, I won't get wealthy doing this, right. but it, 
but seeing families come out and pick their tree and, and the joy of the kids dragging the tree down and putting it in their vehicle, and it, it's very rewarding, very rewarding. Absolutely. So. Great. Well, um, I appreciate it. Thanks for, uh, thanks for Thank telling you, us Rich. the story. Thanks for listening to ATRA, Voices from the Field. Be sure to rate us and leave a review. And please call ATRA with any and all of your sustainable agriculture questions at 1-800-346-9140 or email us at askanag at incat.org. That's A-S-K-A-N-A-G at incat.org. Our two dozen specialists can help you with a vast array of topics, everything from farm planning to pest management, from produce to livestock and soils to agriculture. You can get in touch with them and find our other extensive and free sustainable agriculture publications, webinars, videos, and other resources at our website, www.atra.incat.org. That's www.atra.incat.org. Be sure and check out our next episode when Gil talks about his experience taking part in INCAT's arm-to-farm training for veterans. Also, in the description below this podcast, you'll find some resources that are related to the topic. So we'll catch you next week, and until then, keep on farming. Farming.